it's so, I mean, so I'm just thinking about the car scenes that you've been like brought up with. So you think a little bit yeah. London, there's a lot of cars like supercars, the, the yeah. high end stuff, and then you go to Saudi Arabia and the car yeah. scene. Is it is it is it what was it was it like what it is portrayed as now was just yeah. flash and supercars and and people yeah. with these high end cars. Yeah. Was it was it like that back then too? Yeah, well, I mean, it's interesting you say that. No, actually, to be honest, like that's probably more today. And the same goes for London as well. I mean, if you think about, like I said, I grew up 70s, 80s in central London, you know, you wouldn't see any supercars in central London. My goodness, you know, I mean, nowadays, this is this is where I think that supercars have kind of lost their luster for me, because if you were growing up in London, if you ever saw a Lamborghini Countach, you'd just lose it. I mean, that I mean, that that A would never happen. It just would never happen. And if it did happen, you'd absolutely lose it. You're just like, whoa, how, how, what is this alien contraption just landed from outer space? Is Captain Kirk at the wheel? You know, it, you just, it just wouldn't, you wouldn't, com it wouldn't compute. Whereas I'm in Kingsbury, Northwest London. If I come out of my road here, walk down, there's a, there's a terrace house there with a Aventador always parked in front. So it's like, you know, it's not even that big a deal anymore. If you're like, oh, Aventador, whatever, you know. And Dubai is the same thing. I remember sitting on Jumeirah Beach Road, uh, having a meeting in a cafe one, one time there. And we counted three Veyrons go past in the hour. And there were different Veyrons and three Veyrons, one of the rarest cars in the world, as we're sitting at this cafe, just driving past on Jumeirah Beach Road, you know. So, you know, and they kind of, again, they sort of, it sort of dilutes their specialness, doesn't it, if you, if, if you like. So way back when in Saudi Arabia, it's like, we're talking the cars of the 80s with the cars that, you know, over here, when I was growing up here, I was looking at things like E-types and Capris and stuff like, you know, early uh, Escort, Escort Mexicos, that sort of era, you know. Um, but then when I was in Saudi, um, then it moved to 80s cars. But the other great thing about um, spending those formative years in Saudi was the exposure to more international cars and specifically to American cars. And I think that I, I developed a a great bond and a love for American cars. So I was going in, in Saudi Arabia. It was, in fact, if you look at the hierarchy of cars in Saudi Arabia at that time, if you were really doing very, very well, you had a Mercedes S-Class. So I'm talking about the 80s S-Class, which, you know, is a, an iconic shape and still rocks. It's an amazing car. And the hierarchy was literally Mercedes S-Class, Buick Park Avenue, so if you weren't doing that well, but you're doing really good, you had a Buick Park Avenue with those thick, you know, velour seats and, you know, the thick carpet, you know. And at one time I used to be taken to school um, by a driver who had a Buick Park Avenue. And I remember that he would sit, nobody would be able to see this visually. But if you can imagine, he's sitting there, one hand on the wheel like that, and his leg up on the actual, so <laughs> on the actual seat itself, just chilling because that's what that was. It was like piloting a yacht through the streets, right? So you had that. If you couldn't afford that, you had a Chevrolet Caprice Classic. So that was the next one down on the ladder. And that, again, was a huge, great thing, which was very luxurious, a little bit cheaper, but still very luxurious. And then below that, you had a Toyota Crescent. So then you moved into the Japanese cars. So we're going, we're going, so we're going, we've got German at the top, but then we've got American, American, Japanese, before we then go back to Europeans. You know, So to me, it was like, one of the things I found from, I used to read a lot of automotive media, as you can imagine, from the UK, because this is where I was, I was from. But you would always detect a little bit of a bias towards European and British metal, and a little bit about, oh, what did the Japanese know about cars and stuff like that, you know. But for me, growing up in that environment, it was like, you know, the, the Japanese cars are the ones that you would drive across the desert, because you knew they would get you to the other side. You knew that they were reliable. 
And similarly, American cars, the big, the, 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 the people that used to do the long trips to like Mecca or Medina or Tehran or across the, the desert, they would, they would take the GMCs, the big GMC Suburbans, you know, and, they, and those cars, the trim would be falling off, they'd be battered, the electrics wouldn't work, but the drivetrain was so solid on those cars. And the most important thing, of course, the ACs were so good, you know, that those were the cars that they would use. And if you didn't have that, you'd have a Toyota, uh, Toyota Land Cruiser or you'd have a Nissan Patrol. And, you know, that's why, like, when I come back here and you, you meet off-roaders and like, oh, yes, Land Rover, Land Rover is the only way. And I'm like, oh, no, it isn't. You know, it's like you know, no, no self-respecting Arab will take a Land Rover into the desert unless it was just for a laugh. You know, they wouldn't, you know because you don't know if you're coming back in that thing. Right. But <laughs> but but the Land Cruisers and the patrols, I mean, you know, people swear by those things, you know. So I think one of the great things about that experience and which also then helped me when I went back to Dubai to be editor of Car Magazine, so the Middle East franchise of Car in 2006, I returned to Dubai. Um, it meant that I immediately had an understanding or an initial understanding of that market. And also every car culture around the world is a little bit different. The approach is different. The philosophies are different. The, the cars they love, the terminology they use, you know, all of these things are different a little bit. Fundamentally, we're all car people and we can all relate and it's that's all great, but there's just subtle differences. So take, for example, um, um, the so for example i had a, an assistant editor a deputy editor on car uh in uh, dubai and he reviewed a jeep wrangler right and when he reviewed it and he was from here right so and i think that it, over here the jeep wrangler had certain connotations which it didn't have over there and so his review was very tongue-in-cheek about those sort of things and all the readers over there were like i don't get it i don't get it what's he on about you know because the jeep over there is regarded as you know a tough desert vehicle you know whereas over here it had different connotations but again you got to understand that over here there's not much excuse to put a jeep or any good off-roader through its paces to really see what it can do whereas if you live in the in the middle east like in dubai even today you drive 45 minutes out of the city you're in the desert you know and when you're in the desert you don't have to like it's not over here like you know you have to find a place or a permit or a place where you have permission to go no you go you drive out of dubai you see desert and you turn into the desert it's as simple as that and off you go you know and you go and play it's as simple as that so it has very different connotations and i think one of the great things was that to be able to understand that to be able to appreciate car culture is different in certain places so when i was doing car magazine so um, um just to give you a little bit of an insight if you're doing a franchise uh, magazine you have a contract and for example the contract we had stipulated that we could use a maximum of 80 percent content from the uk edition to a minimum of 30 percent content from the uk edition so the requirement was that we we, we must have 30 percent uk content in an edition and i would regularly drop below 30 percent regularly because a lot of the content that was from here to my mind was not relevant to the audience over there if you're doing reviews of diesel suvs here or if you're doing a review of a bunch of city cars you know one liter cars or whatever i'm like this is not relevant to my audience you know so this is no good and also like even if they were doing uh, reviews of suvs here then the whole approach that they had to the suvs was very different to how we approach suvs in dubai you know so so a lot of that i would have to just throw out and and do our own content over there so but on the other hand one of the great things about cars is they bring people together so very uh, i think around 2010 we started um i initiated 
the equivalent of like a cars and coffee type of an event, which uh, grew and grew and grew and grew until our, I think our penultimate event, we stopped traffic in Dubai Festival City. We had over a thousand cars turn up. It was crazy. But the wonderful thing about these events was that, and also because Dubai is such a melting pot of people from all around the world. So we'd have these events and you just never know what would turn up. You know, you'd have an Emirati in a supercar or a Lamborghini or Ferrari turn up. You'd have an expat turn up in something German or whatever. You'd have an American turn up in a muscle car. I mean, this is a little bit stereotypes here, but not necessarily. But then you'd suddenly have, you know, you'd have Asians turning up in a sticker bombed Lexus. You know, you'd have Filipinos turning up in a souped up Honda, you know, so, and, and everybody would just park together and they'd jump out. And it all be Chang. And what I would find really wonderful was that suddenly people from all different parts of the world, different cultures, different points in their life, you know, different levels of income, whatever, would be just jumping out of their cars, parking next to each other and talking cars. And wasn't that fantastic? Jazad has a unique perspective on the car scene in Saudi Arabia and London. And if you want to hear more about him and what he's doing, his full episode will be in the show notes below. And again, a huge thank you to you guys listening to and sharing this podcast every week. Without you, I wouldn't know what I want to do. And it's great to hear inspiring people and just show you what's possible with a love for cars. And that's what the podcast is all about. Helping you get in touch with an inner car nerd. And so if you do like the podcast, please give us a rate on this app. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please give us a review. It really helps us grow. That being said, my name's Harry and this is the Ignition Podcast. Thank you for listening.